I'm here to give Jackie Chan a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I almost feel like I deserve a Lifetime Achievement Award for being asked to do that, all right? Because it's one of the achievements of my lifetime to honor one of my heroes of all time. Uh, to see a Jackie Chan movie, basically more than any other performer since possibly Buster Keaton, and maybe after that, maybe a little bit of Fred Astaire, when you watch a Jackie Chan movie, you want to be Jackie Chan. You want to run through glass the way only he can. You want to fight 25 guys, lose all the way up until the last moment, and then take, take them all on the way only he can. To jump through glass, to jump off buildings, to uh, be drugged behind buses, and then handle it all. All right, he is one of the best uh, filmmakers that the world's ever known. He is one of the greatest stand-up stand uh, physical comedians since sound came into films. And basically, if I could be, and I don't want to ever be any actor, but if I could be any actor, I would have the life that Jackie Chan has. So we're gonna show you just a little bit right now of what makes this guy so rockin'. The MTV Movie Awards presents the Lifetime Achievement Award to I believe there's uh, many people, they don't know me. It doesn't matter. Please go to see Rumble in the Bronx. You know me better. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You want to sing, yeah, you want to sing Like when the Xenomorph took out Harry Dean You want to sing, yeah, you want to sing Like when Bobby D says, you're talking to me. Seen It All with Jeff and John. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Seen It All with Jeff and John, the podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies. I am Jeff Glover. And I am John Zabriskie. And in this episode, we finally get new cushions for our wheelchairs. <laughs> That's right. We are talking about a scene from the 1995-96 film Rumble in the Bronx starring Jackie Chan. To millions of fans around the world, he's a living legend. If you've never seen him before... It's him! Give me that gun! You've never seen action. We got hostages! They're in a hovercraft! Call out the Coast Guard! New Line Cinema presents the action hero who does all his own stunts. Jackie Chan. You know, you know, you saying that now makes me want to re reintroduce myself. Oh man, that was that was a good opening. But in the future, I'd probably be saying something like, "I'm Tom Zabriskie, and you're all garbage. You are all garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you're all garbage. You are all garbage. You're all garbage. You are all garbage." <laughs> oh. oh man, I am excited for this. So we're going to be talking about the uh, the. 
major fight scene that he has with the gang, what you might call the pool hall brawl. Yeah, um, or the bad guy hideout brawl. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we'll be getting into that in much detail a little bit later. This is uh, this is a big one for me. I, I love this goofy movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love Jackie Chan. Um, should we jump right into our personal histories with this movie. I, I think we have to. So what is your history with rumble in the Bronx? All right. Seen it so, all with Jeff and John. Um, I love, I unapologetically love this movie. So in the summer of 1995, um, I was watching the MTV movie awards. Did you ever watch the movie awards back in the nineties? Yeah. I watched the movie awards back in the day. Yeah. Like I feel like the mid nineties was like the height of MTV's power in terms of it's like impact on, on pop culture. But, yeah. uh, you know, when they would do the music awards, it was a big deal. The movie awards were a big deal. But anyway, I was watching the 95 uh, movie awards and they did a Lifetime Achievement Award. And Quentin Tarantino comes out to present the Lifetime Achievement Award and uh, announces that it's going to go to Jackie Chan. What? And I sat up in my chair and I was like, who is Jackie Chan? Then he went on to give a little blurb about jackie chan and then they played a montage like stunts and fight scenes from his movies Mm -hmm. i was glued to the screen i was like who is this person why have i never heard of this person before why have i never seen any of these movies and i was just i was just blown away and so that that planted the seed in me that i was like i have to see jackie chan movies but the problem was like it's the mid 90s like internet isn't really a thing um, none of his movies were released in the U S at this point. And, um, you know, if you go to your local movie store, movie rental place, they didn't really like, at least the one by my house didn't really have any, like they had a small martial arts section, but it was mostly like Bruce Lee movies and, you know, some other random, uh, you know, martial arts movies from the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. no Jackie Chan. So this just like sat in me for months and I was like, how can I see these movies? And then all of a sudden in like late 95, early 96, like January 96, I start seeing trailers for this movie called rumble in the Bronx starring mm-hmm. Jackie Chan. And uh, I instantly knew that I, I had to go see this. Um, the trailers got me hyped up cause they were just like the, the fight scenes I had seen in this montage on MTV. I, you know, to find out that he had been doing this for 15 years over in Hong Kong and mm-hmm. I had never seen any of his movies just blew me away. So anyway, I, I made a note of when it was coming out. Um, I went and saw it the first weekend that was in the theaters. I loved it. Um, and I was now on a mission to see any and all Jackie Chan that I could. Wow. And yeah. And so I've, I've had a love for Jackie Chan ever since. I, I think he's so unique. I think he's just an amazing stunt person, an amazing fighter. Um, I mean, we'll get into it more later, but, uh, yeah, I just, uh, so I just have a love for his style of action movies that, um, started then and has really never gone away. Cool. Do yeah, you, it's... do you have much of a history? Is this a movie you had seen before? Was this the first time watching it? What's your, your history with Jackie Chan? Uh, I remember when this was like you're saying being advertised, I hadn't really heard of Jackie Chan until this movie came to the States. Uh, I do remember seeing the trailers and I was just so used to like these kind of adult action kind of movies right. um, where they're just super violent. Um, so that was kind of what I was expecting from this movie, but then like actually watching it um, and then 
hearing a lot about Jackie Chan doing all the stunts. Uh, yeah, it totally changed my perception, I think, of what like an action movie could be because you know, I grew up with action movies like, well, I don't know, Predator, yeah. Commando, or uh, Rambo. Not not a lot of like just fighting per se. Yeah, just bodies. Just bodies. <laughs> not, not a lot of like fighting per se or like uh, fighting styles on display. You'd have to go to like a Chuck Norris a little bit for that. Or before Jackie, I would say maybe some Van Damme perhaps sure. uh, in the early 90s. Uh, but this was, yeah, definitely my exposure to this uh, Hong Kong style fighting um, where you capture all the action on screen. You can see all the punches, hits, the prop use uh, really land and and not be like cutting away for some other person to take the blows or the falls. And it's it's all just one guy. It's all Jackie. And yeah, yeah, it's 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 not that it started like a, a big time Jackie Chan watchathon for me, but over the years I've definitely checked out his movies now and again, and more likely just like his YouTube clips where it just shows his stunts and his fighting. So this was uh, I made you watch this movie uh, for this episode. <laughs> when was the last time you saw Rumble in the Bronx? Do you even remember? It was probably close to when it came to home video. Oh wow! Okay, because I, th- I think even in the theaters, the movie was kind of kind of had a darker feel for me for the tr- from the trailers i just thought oh like this is all sorts of dark and mm. like it's gonna be yeah a little bit too intense for me but then yeah i remember seeing it on the video afterwards and yeah just being really taken aback with just how impressive jackie chan is uh what, what about you what about when, when's the last time you saw this before we're, we watch it for this oh gosh i've seen this a countless number of times um <laughs> i kind of have this movie memorized not not in terms of dialogue but like just the sequence of events that happens mm-hmm. um you know i i saw it when it first came out of course and then i rented it when it was available and just any chance i think for a little while i owned it on vhs um no i've seen this movie I don't know, probably over 20 times. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it a lot. But um, this is uh, this was a big, big deal for Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. right? So this movie was released in Hong Kong in January of 95, mm-hmm. um, but was not released in the U.S. until February of 96, so over a full year later. Um, and this was, uh, when it was released in Hong Kong, it was the highest grossing film ever in Hong Kong. And then when they released it wide to all of China, it was then the highest grossing film in China as well. And uh, funny enough, tr- the Chinese uh, release of True Lies actually took that over uh, like <laughs> within a year. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> True Lies. <laughs> Take that, Jackie Chan. Exactly. Take, take some fighting lessons from Jackie Chan. Yeah, but it was a big hit here in the US too. So it's op- it opening weekend was 10 million and it ended up making like 32 million overall. Um, and the budget I think was only around 7 or 8 million dollars. Yes. Yeah. So it was a definitely a big success for him. And this was um, it was not only the introduction of Jackie Chan to me, um, this was really the introduction of Jackie Chan to like all of Western culture, really, or at least U.S. He had a history of trying to break into American movies in the 80s, right? Like mm-hmm. he has a small role in Cannonball Run <laughs> way back in, <laughs> was that, you know, 1979 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he could never break out as a star. And um, he, if you ask Jackie, he often said that the problem was is he was not making 
Jackie Chan movies. He was trying to just act in American movies and it just never translated well. And he also didn't really speak English, which made it hard. So he set out to make his own movie, his own way that he hoped could appeal to a a more international audience. And so he set the film in New York. He used English speaking actors um, and really set the movie was set up from the beginning as a way to try to pull in a more international audience, which eventually they did. um, And it worked. Mm. Of course, we know Jackie Chan came to America several years later and had lots of successes making his sort of humorish action buddy cop comedies, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do any of, when you mention like other things, including the buddy cop comedies, like what are some other things that come to mind? Like his American movies? Yeah. Let's say American movies. You know, I, I have to say, I never really liked his American movies that much. Yeah. Um, I, because I had, once I went down this rabbit hole, I, I tried to watch as much Jackie Chan as I could. And after the (laughs) success of rumble in the Bronx, they actually went back through his catalog and started re-releasing his older movies redubbed in English and they would release them in the U S. And so like a year after rumble in the Bronx, I think they released, um, armor of God Two which they just retitled Operation Condor. And I remember going to see that in the theater. They also released Police Story 3, which was subtitled Super Cop. And in the US, they just released it as Super Cop. I remember going to see that in the theater. So the success like allowed the studios to go back and, and pull back and pull uh, <laughs> old Jackie Chan movies, rebrand them, redub them, and then send them back to American theaters. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I saw those. And it was just more of what I loved. And then, you know, I saw Rush Hour and Shanghai Noon and these things. And like, they were fine. But for me, as a fan of like Hong Kong Jackie Chan, they didn't quite live up to my expectations of what I wanted going into his movies, you know? Right. I think that's, you know, just one of the the huge differences we see in like a Hong Kong backed action film versus backed versus like a Hollywood action film is that in Hollywood, it's not that often that we're pushing forth these huge action movies that are purely action. There's some comedy in this a little bit rumble in the Bronx, Mm -hmm. but uh, you never say like the comedy takes the forefront. But if you look at something like rush hour, like clearly they're going for that uh, comedic genre um, or that comedic approach a lot more um, just like they're trying to keep that level with the action and with the buddy copness, but then you lose the action. You lose a lot of the uh, big fight scenes um, partly yeah. because you have a buddy cop in Chris Tucker, who's not going to be Jackie Chan's level. Nobody's going to be Jackie Chan's level. So it's really hard to uh, really focus that action movie on him um, when he's the main draw. Like uh, I think Hollywood movies probably saw him as, being that kind of like good second lead for a while and trying to, yeah, you know, they maybe tried a project or two just based on him, but they um, really needed to make him like that second or third lead. But then when you do that, like we're saying, you lose that Jackie Chan magic. You lose all the stunt fighting and the stunt coordinating and the jumping between buildings. Right. And they didn't really know how to shoot Jackie Chan the way Mm -hmm. Jackie Chan does, right? He was a producer and director and writer and stunt coordinator for a lot of those Hong Kong movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a specific way and style of doing things that didn't quite, American directors didn't quite get it. And then, you know, the other thing that you have to mention is that by the time Jackie Chan did break through, he was in his mid to late forties. Yes. You know, and he, 
you know, he's still an amazing athletic martial artist, but he's not going to be quite doing the stuff he was doing in the eighties, you know? Right. He's 40, he's 41 in rumble in the Bronx. That itself is crazy. I'm I'm almost 41. (laughs) I am 41. Yeah. And I got tired coming up the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I need a nap. Actually. Can we take a break? (laughs) Jackie Chan to say, no way. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to side with Jackie here. Hmm. But yeah, he's he's in this movie. He's kind of portrayed as kind of like a clueless newcomer young dude. And his love interest, I think, is 20 years old. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, this movie is campy. It's it's campy. I remember uh, oh, some drama going in the background from, from no bedtime. Um, no, it is very campy. It, like. There's a little bit of camp here in this fight scene, but if you're just to watch this fight scene, it doesn't necessarily give you a feel for the rest of the movie, I would say, because the rest uh, yeah, of the I movie, yeah. anytime basically he's interacting anytime. in a way that's not anytime. And anytime he's not interacting in a way that's fighting, it's really, really silly interactions. Uh, and just people are just wacky. And, uh, and costumes, whole, dude. The costumes of the gang are yeah. The nineties, the nineties ish, yeah. The most nineties costumes you're ever going to see. They have a hovercraft chase sequence through quote unquote New York, and <laughs> Vancouver, <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> oh, just the hovercraft alone, just just really, I don't know. I feel like makes the makes the movie its own thing. Like, there's not going to be a scene like it in other movies. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's. So the plot is ridiculous. This movie is campy. And I I tried to sort of summarize the plot in a short paragraph here. If you would indulge me for a moment, I'll I'll, I'll read you what I wrote. Please. (laughs) Um, I wrote, uh, basically, (laughs) Jackie travels to, quote unquote, New York, where he meets up with his uncle, who says he wants to sell his store, which is like a corner store market. Mm -hmm. He sells it to a woman named Elaine. And then he immediately leaves on his honeymoon and we never see him again in the movie. Uh, A biker gang then starts terrorizing the neighborhood, including the corner store market. Jackie befriends a young boy in a wheelchair whose sister takes care of him. And we also find out is part of this neighborhood gang. Later, a member of the game gets involved in a diamond heist thing uh, and some mobsters and the FBI get involved. Not a lot of explanation there. Uh, and then, of course, Jackie gets wrapped up in the whole thing, uh, leading to a giant chase scene at the end with a hovercraft. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's really, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. And and I, I have to read this um, uh, review by Roger Ebert. There one paragraph from his mm-hmm. review, if I could. Please. Roger Ebert says, Any attempt to defend this movie on rational grounds is futile. <laughs> Don't tell me about the plot and the dialogue. Don't dwell on the acting. The whole point is Jackie Chan. And like Esther and Rogers, he does what he does better than anybody. There is a physical confidence, a grace, and elegance to the way he moves. There is humor to the choreography of the fights, which are never too gruesome. He's having fun. If we allow ourselves to get in the right frame of mind, so are we. Three Mm -hmm. out of four stars. Whoa, nice. So Ebert got it. Yeah. Because that's how I feel too. Definitely. Yeah, Ebert, reading his reviews uh, over the years... Uh, you, you you catch on like if you didn't listen to him or read him while he was alive doing his reviews, uh, you learn whatever retrospectively 
uh, that he was someone who almost always understood what the movie was trying to do and yeah. not trying to put every single level or put every movie on the same level. Like right. he, he sees us as a vehicle for Jackie Chan to flip around, jump around, do kind of semi funny fights. And that's exactly what this movie does just in spades. It delivers. Yeah. And uh, we, we get the classic, I think that's why I chose this scene. So not to jump ahead too much, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I feel like this scene is is representative of who Jackie Chan is as a as a movie star, as a stuntman, and as a filmmaker. Like this is the scene that I always think of with this movie. But uh, I'll save that for a moment yeah. when we actually get into a breakout of the scene. No, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, it's good to summarize those things here before we jump into the scene breakdown sounds like you're about to start that i figure let's talk about what's at stake for this scene because yeah, like what's the, at stake? yeah the stakes couldn't be higher what, <laughs> what could be what could be going on the stakes have never been higher i wrote up my own little thing after watching this movie and watching this scene and i still had a hard time <laughs> trying to place what in the world is happening in this scene like why did he show up uh i wrote here's my what's at stake at this scene jackie chan came to the hideout why i think ultimately <laughs> the stakes are that jackie's just mad and wants revenge but the end result is that the gang ends up respecting him and working with him against the euro question mark bad guys <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> Those bad guys are really like just sort of generic white people. I don't know. Americans, Europeans, it's hard to tell because everyone's dubbed. But they wear black gloves. Yeah. They have slick hair and they have guns. And, and like his in name the 90s. Is the white Tiger? <laughs> oh my God. The white Tiger was some old dude on the golf course. Did you notice when he was on the golf course, he had like 50 people watching him golf? There was oh. a, like a massive crowd. I was like, is he in a tournament? Like, or is this just his normal golfing entourage? People that just follow him around and watch him miss putts. <laughs> yeah. I think he is just the, the Kim Jong-un of Vancouver. Or oh New York or, <laughs> oh just, just a weird cult of personality going on there. But I don't know. Did you have any stakes to add to this scene? Well, I mean, so he's showing up to the this pool hall. Uh, it is, you're right, to like confront the gang, get revenge. Because up to this point in the movie, it is the gang, this gang that has been like uh, harassing the Elaine at the corner store. Right. Right. And <laughs> did you also notice that when they go in there, they never try to steal any money. They just steal candy bars and shit. <laughs> just trying to steal snacks. <laughs> They're like stuffing snacks into their coat. <laughs> he throws down the backpack and it's just full of snacks. It's like it's all a, junior, a junior high kid basically runs this game. <laughs> a bunch of stoners. They're, just like, they're not even like stealing booze or anything. They're just like, we no. need snacks, dude. We're hungry. No, no, no mm. vice stuff. Yeah, no cigarettes or alcohol or stuff they're going to resell. It's just, they're just you know, yeah, hankering for snacks. Yeah. They so have the munchies. <laughs> That should be the gang's name is the Munchies. The Munchies. (laughs) My God, it's the Munchies. Uh, That's perfect. Um, So the gang has been terrorizing the the corner store and Elaine. And then they also, they had the whole incident with the bikes in the alleyway where Jackie had to jump down and stop them from running the bike over his uncle's like fake stretch limo or whatever that was. Right. It's like some kind of antique car. Yeah. And then they also like cornered him in the alley and threw all the bottles at him. 
Right. Over. That was, oh, that was disturbing. Yeah. And I, I guess there's an, uh, there's a longer cut of this movie where like, there's a lot more violence in that scene. Mm. Um, but anyway, so I think this is like, he's, he's had enough, right? He's, he's going to go confront the gang and tell them to knock it off and try right. to stand his ground. So I think that's what he's doing here. Defending himself, defending the Elaine at the corner store. And uh, so I think that's the stakes, like trying to get them to stop harassing his friends. And if we want to go meta stakes, because I'm definitely going to go meta stakes for my next pick. But if we want to go like meta stakes, this is Jackie Chan fully on display, as you're talking about just a moment ago, where you're seeing his persona, his, well, his like movie star persona come out along with all the stunts, along with the lightning fast Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Um, his, his team hard at work, his stunt team hard at work and crafting this just ever moving, totally, I don't know, just crazy fight scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on that note, before we actually get into this scene, uh, if you'll indulge me again for a moment, sure. um, because I think this fits right here. So I, I've always loved watching Jackie Chan fight scenes and I think there is a, an elegance and a style to them. That's different than any other, martial arts movie or, or martial art artist that I've ever seen. And so I was trying to do a little research, trying to figure out like, what is it that makes Jackie Chan's style so different? And so I came across this, this sort of video essay on YouTube The shout out to this um, YouTube channel. It's called every frame of painting. Um, it's no longer making new videos, but the guy who was running it made a series of videos where he would take an idea about movie making and sort of choose a movie that illustrated it well and, and then kind of break it down. And uh, so he did a video on what makes Jackie Chan different than others. And so I, I just kind of made, I, I sort of summarized what his, his bulleted points were here. So you've got that Jackie Chan combines action and comedy into the same scene which is actually rare if you think about it, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of movies, I think like guardians of the galaxy, like a lot of movies have funny scenes and then they have action scenes, but rarely do those things overlap. Right. And Jackie, right. Jackie Chan deliberately overlaps those things. So I think that's part of it. Uh, Jackie Chan always begins a fight scene with some sort of disadvantage, Mm-hmm. Right, he's either trying to get away, trying to defend himself, or in this case, it's or in many cases, it's like him against like fifty people. <laughs> and he always never wants to fight, right? He's always like defending himself, trying to get away. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, he uses anything and everything in his environment as a weapon. And then, in terms of filmmaking, there's clarity, right? Like the camera is almost always wide. So we can see everything that's happening. Like you don't Mm -hmm. get the shaky cam. You don't get the quick cuts close up and then quick cut back out. The camera holds steady. You, you almost see everyone involved in a fight together. um, And a lot of the environment that you see in the fight sort of sets up the next part of the fight, right? You see like early on in this scene, we'll talk about like a guy gets thrown into the pinball machines. Jackie Chan goes on to fight a little bit more. And then later on those pinball scene, pinball machines come back into play. So he does that a lot with, with mm-hmm. things in his environment. Um, and then the other thing is that there is a, a rhythm to his fight scenes that is hard to describe, but it's definitely there. Like it's, they almost have like a, a metronome like beat and rhythm to them where like it's, you know, it's uh, it's hit block, hit, hit, you know, move block duck 
block, hit, you know, and it's, it happens very methodically and, and sort of in time. Um, and it gives like this rhythm to the fight scenes. That's, it's hard to explain, but when you watch one, you see it. Um, and, uh, I feel like that's, that's unique. You don't see that in a lot of other fight sequences. So anyway, if you want to see like a more detailed explanation of this, check out that video essay. It's called, uh, it's on a channel called Every Frame a Painting. And I think the title of it is just Jackie Chan fighting or something like that. It's Yeah, it says Jackie Chan, how to do action comedy. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And I, th- I feel like it summarized my feelings like pretty well. It, it helped me give words to what I was thinking about. Yeah, and we'll, yeah, I'll definitely, now that you pointed that out, I'll definitely look for that rhythm as we're breaking down this scene in a couple parts and yeah, I mentioned where I'm seeing some rhythms too that you're talking about. Yeah. There's definitely some examples of that here. Yeah. All right. So we should probably get into it. What do you think? I think so. I think so. Uh, Do you want to do the recaps like usual? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. So, well, real quick, um, like why did I choose this scene? Why did you choose this scene, Jeff? (laughs) I've talked about this a little (laughs) bit, but this is, um, like I said, this is the the first sort of major classic Jackie Chan fight scene in this movie, um, and it we get a lot of like little sort of teaser fights along the way. We have a, a short, a small fight in the market. We have the dirt bike race in the alleyway. We have Jackie Chan fighting on that wooden thing <laughs> in the apartment, mm-hmm. and these are all like little teasers uh, building up to like when's the first big fight going to happen. I should point out that right, but before this, we do get a really big chase sequence that I actually almost chose for this episode. Hmm. And it's the chase sequence where he's running through the streets and then the parking garage where we see the motorcycle go between his legs. He does that triple jump. Oh over yeah. The, yeah. 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 You know what I'm talking about? He does that triple yeah. jump over the fence. He, and then he climbs up the side of the parking structure and that, that truck full of colorful like balls, bouncing <laughs> balls falls yeah. off the side. <laughs> oh my God. That just goes for a tumble. Yeah. And then it culminates with him doing that amazing stunt where he jumps from one building to the other balcony. Right. Right. So I, I almost chose that sequence because it's a really a standout chase sequence in that movie. Um, so that happens. And then, but then this is the fight scene. That's like the tent pole right in the middle of the movie. It's almost exactly in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. So um, for that reason, I felt like this was a good representation of why I love this movie. Awesome. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm excited. Let's, let's dig into it then. All right, let's do it. So uh, to start this scene, we're going to begin, uh, we'll call part one when Jackie walks into the club or the pool hall, looks around and we see people in hammocks, <laughs> people <laughs> shooting pool. Uh, Tony, one of the bad guys, is talking to a lady. The and leader, then, we're going to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Jackie picks up and tosses the gang's stereo onto the pool table, stopping the music in the party. Jackie says, you're all garbage. You are all garbage. <laughs> As you're all garbage. You're all garbage. <laughs> you are all garbage. As he points to the gang. Tony throws a bottle at Jackie, which Jackie dodges. He then kicks an onlooking gang member off of the hammock for no real reason. <laughs> well, he was there. He was just there, yeah. Tony fires his gun into the air, points it at Jackie. Tony says, this is where it ends, big shot. This is where it ends, big shot. Jackie says, you got the guts, drop the gun. You got the guts, drop the gun. Nancy then runs up to Jackie. Tony sees this and throws the gun away. Crowd goes, Tony clears the pool table. Jackie takes off his jean jacket like a boss. 
I love that scene. Yeah. Uh, or that shot. And then the two jump up on the table and hold up their fists in a classic, we're going to fight pose. Mm-hmm. Mm. But not, not like your normal fight, though. This isn't going to go like like a normal boxing match at all. Not at all. No. <laughs> uh, do you have thoughts on this little section here as we ramp up towards the main part of the fight? I just just love he's going into the belly of the beast, Jack, is in... <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and speak to his persona real quick because sure. uh, from what I was reading from background and posting here from the old Wikipedias and IMDb's, uh, is that his whole image was built around him being this contrasted character from the classic Bruce Lee and other Bruce Lee imitators who would go kind of like that stern, quiet, all business, mm. whether they're the you know upright or whether they're the uh, forthright hero or they're just kind of like the wandering through stranger as if they're in a Western, but really grim, kind of get down to business heroes who take care of business and then leave. Whereas Jackie's screen persona is very goofy. It's uh, very amiable, friendly. He's making jokes throughout his movies and yeah. you know, being goofy throughout the fight scenes here. He's so humble, he's, too. He's humble. Yeah, yeah, so he's built this on-screen persona, we think maybe starting here or maybe a couple movies before this. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting is it is kind of going against his persona, going into the gang's lair uh, and not being just all of a sudden victimized or chased around or suddenly attacked. Like he is the instigator in this scene. Yes. I realize it's after poor Elaine or Elena's store has been attacked multiple times for all the snacks. (laughs) (laughs) Give me the snacks. Give me the snacks. (laughs) But he is just there to chew bubble gum and kick Kick the A's of everyone there. And you know, he's probably never chewed bubble gum. So he's purely, (laughs) there to kick butt, which I think is an interesting take on that on-screen persona that I read so much about is here he is just being the instigator the, he's going to go bully them now. And what I really like about that, this confrontation is the, you, yeah, guaranteed this gang has not seen anybody like Jackie who they, you know, they probably just saw as some kind of errand boy in this grocery store that they can maybe push around a little bit. You know, he could fight back a little bit, but here he's going to prove that, you know, he, he's, a bigger fighting force than all of them put together. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. He does. He does take it to him here. That, that is a bit of a different angle for him. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe he just saw all the outfits they were wearing and was like, you guys need to get your asses kicked for your fashion choices. <laughs> you are all garbage. <laughs> oh, it is. It is great. Just, yeah. The camera lingers sometimes on people just randomly dancing in the background. Some guy wearing, it looks like pajama pants, a hoodie, <laughs> Uh, a guy wearing the number 94 jersey, just some unidentified team. Who knows? Guy with the, the piece, like like hippie t-shirt tucked <laughs> yes. into his high-waisted pants. Uh, there's Having a woman to... in full-on lingerie. Yes. <laughs> just wearing like a red negligee that's attached to her high thigh-high stockings. No explanation. It's no explanation. Uh, the gang, the the costumes they put this gang in is truly. I I don't know if this was a if this was on purpose or if this is what people in Hong Kong thought American gang members dressed like, but it is fantastic. It's one of my favorite parts of this movie. 
<laughs> That's what all the comments on the YouTube uh, for this video have been saying. It was like, I think this is just what Hong Kong producers thought like American <laughs> gang members dressed like. <laughs> just like a bunch of, I don't know, what you might be calling hipsters back in the 90s playing pool. Kind I'm, of en- I'm envisioning like the costume designer in Hong Kong sending a, a big cardboard box to America, like to a Goodwill and being like, fill it up. Just fill it up. And then a week later, and make him look mean. And a week later, getting it back, and he's just pulling stuff out like, whoa, look at this really long leather vest. Perfect. Look at a football this. jersey with 94 on it. This turquoise baseball cap. <laughs> Wait, what's the one guy on the left wearing the peace shirt? He's wearing like some kind of backwards beret. Maybe? Oh, my God. I- it's... <laughs> I can't even. I I I just envision these these actors putting this on, being like, "Yeah, this is it. This is yeah. it. the guy with like the zebra stripe thing that's sort of like ponytailed yeah. in the front with the long leather vest." I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy Island Sit. He's like thug number one. Yeah. Tony. Uh, I think he's part of the Jackie Chan stunt crew, and mm. I, actually Tony might be as well. I'm not really sure. Uh, I didn't do too much research on like who the stunt crew was, but uh, in every Jackie Chan movie, there is this Jackie Chan stunt team. Right. I, I can't remember where I put that note, but they do they you know, they choreograph everything. A lot of the stunt people go movie to movie with Jackie Chan um, just to keep everything probably streamlined. If you think about it, probably like less people you have to rope in to explain how to do these things or how to film these things or how to react with your face as you're, you know, fake taking a punch or a kick. Yeah, no, that's true. Like he had a dedicated group that worked with him. That was like the Jackie Chan filmmaking crew. And they knew what he liked, what he wanted to do, how he liked to set up scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that, you know, in, in Hong Kong, when he was making his movies in the eighties, they would give him a shitload of money and <laughs> also give him a shitload of time and, and say, do it till you get it right. And, you know, he would do a hundred takes if that's what it took to get, to get the scene to work right. And uh, right. that's why you get these such, such intricate fight scenes with so many little details. Cause they would do it over and over and over again until they got it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just brought up the Wikipedia for them. It says, uh, they established in 1976. Holy cow! Uh, and then they just worked on all these different movies, uh, right? Rumble in the Bronx, uh, Drunken Master, Project A, Police yeah. Story. Oh, those were which all so I, which, good. Yeah, the Rush Hour movies themselves. Um, so when you see Jackie Chan doing any kind of stunts, it's most likely with the stunt team, which is very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Now we start the fight. Yeah, now we start the fight. We're, we're, I feel like we're seeing the leader, Tony, really hold his own here. He really kind of does. He looks like the kind of guy that would get his ass kicked. but And he kind of does. But he, yes. he he maintains for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He has a couple good kicks and punches. And at one point, yeah, he kicks Jackie Chan right flat on his stomach on the pool table. Uh, this is Mark Ackerstream. Um, I was just doing a little bit of reading Longtime stuntman and like, Oh man, it's hard not to like kind of chuckle, but it's sad, but he did die hmm. on set in 1998 uh, while filming the TV show, the, the crow stairway to heaven. Oh, wow. 
They made yeah. a TV adaptation of The Crow? They did. And it, the Wikipedia says the accident occurred during filming at Manati Bay, Vancouver, of course, when he right. was hit by flying debris while observing an explosion of a rowboat. Man, The Crow series is cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he has 70 stunt credits for acting or whatever. Uh, IMDb says seven acting credits. But I would imagine this is his biggest role as the gang leader, leader Tony. So they, they trade jabs on the pool table and we get some good like close up, bam, 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 you know, close contact fighting there. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty cool sequence with the leg sweep, um, sending the guy to his his back, back, back. back. Uh, onto mm-hmm. the pool table. And uh, then Jackie blocking all his punches and eventually throws him into the pinball machine for a nice pinball glass explosion god that looks so painful the way he lands on the pinball machine it really does it really like you're expect, does. you're kind of expecting like the legs to break out from under it maybe but he just he lands on it like he's black landing on like a oh like a block of wood or something like that his body just trumps and i imagine that's tony himself uh, the i think actor so Mark. Yeah, doing that's, the stunt work. You feel all these all these stunts and these hits because you know that these guys are actually doing this stuff. Yes, and uh, yeah, so you you know you you feel it when the, he hits that pinball machine. Like that is, I don't know. They may have replaced the glass there with like very easily bla- breakable glass, probably. But um, still, like the way he hits the metal frame of it is. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. It's like I when, yeah, I don't know that does does the glass break. Uh, does I'm, it? Oh, I can't remember. Does it break I, in that scene, or am I thinking of when they smash the pinball machines later? I'm watching over and over him being slammed through the air with the old leg throw. Oh, it's so painful to watch that. But no, I don't see any glass. Oh, the glass around. doesn't break yet. Okay, okay. I do know they break it later with the baseball bats. Maybe I'm right. Right. That's not. what I was. I think that's what I was thinking of. So after the, the throw into the pinball machine, we transition to a great little sequence with uh, the ottoman and some chairs that are on wheels. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I wrote up a whole bunch of move names uh, using his props around him. Yes. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, OK, so, yeah, see, this <laughs> this is part of breaking down the scene is tough because it's like there's so many things happening here. Um so yeah. bear, bear with us as we kind of like walk through it a little bit and, and try to comment on it. I'm sure there's stuff we're going to miss, but uh, uh, what'd you call that one? The Ottoman trip and the, yeah. and the Barca lounger flip. Yep. <laughs> the fridge door combo, the Barca lounger trip, the falling fridge flip, the fridge double kick, the throw the guy into the fridge two times, the shopping yes. cart kick, the shopping cart kip up, the corkboard climb, the bottle grab game, the pinball kick with accompanying pinball fat smashes. The pinball dodge, the pinball machine throw, the sliding door shield, the ski slap, the ski sword fight, the ski slap again, and then the ski poke before Tony yells, hold it, stop, which causes Jackie to pause his current ski slap. Oh, man. Well done. Thanks. It was a, this was, I mean, if I'm going to go ahead and just like, yeah, uh, give away my favorite part of the scene, it has to be this when he's attacking people with the furniture Yeah, um, and the props. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. So uh, after he like flips with the ottoman and then uses the chair, he like pushes on the chair and slides back. Then we get a little sequence with all those fridges. Yeah. So he's got a bunch of fridges lined up against the wall. (laughs) This gang has a lot of fridges, but you know, they're all empty. They're all empty. (laughs) They're like a snack raiding kind of gang. Don't you think those fridges be full of... I don't know, you hoos Maybe that's why they needed to go steal from the corner <sighs> store. They just they keep on emptying their fridges. Yeah, but oh my gosh, some amazing 
stunt work. Like what kind of stunt work can you do with the fridge? Oh, like all the stunt work. Uh, my favorite stunt right there is where he uh, rolls off of the fridge as it's falling forward. Dude, that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's again, one of those little things that happen so fast, but every time I see it, I'm like, that is perfect coordination, mm-hmm. perfect choreography to make that work. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. He fridges a guy, but not like the TV trope fridge. It's like literally shows a guy in the fridge twice. Yeah. That's a great little sequence where it's like punch block, throw the, the fridge door open, push the guy in, hit another guy, close the door, <laughs> open the door, hit and the guy in the, the guy face tries again. to come out oh, and yeah, that's the it. door and he punches him in the face and pushes him back in. <laughs> <laughs> this is the comedy piece. Like yes. there it's, there's no, it's not a, a joke. Like there's no, right. in, in a traditional sense, there's no dialogue of a joke, but like, that's funny. Like the guy trying to come out and fight again and he turns around and just smacks him in the face and pushes him back in the fridge. Like, that is brilliant and it's hilarious. I love it. Right. There, there's no pausing to say like, wasn't that funny or like, look at the camera. Right. Right. It just happens that fast. And that's that rhythm that I'm talking about. It's like block hit fridge door open, hit punch, throw the guy in fridge door closed, hit punch block fridge yeah. opens, hit the guy again, push him back in. And it all happens with like this, you know, like it's it's rhythmic and how it happens and it it's mesmerizing. Yeah, I think part of it too is seeing the guy's faces as he's beating on them. Yeah, so you can see their expressions. You can see them just like with their abundant reaction, just like flying backwards. Just everything kind of pinballs away from Jackie and then back to him, and nice he pinball. welcomes it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> welcomes it with like open hands and feet and punches and kicks and backhands and oh my gosh oh we mentioned the snacks well the shopping cart makes its entrance being shoved into him like it's full of what looks like cheese balls (laughs) so we we found we found possibly a shopping cart they stole okay definitely a shopping cart they stole definitely uh, full of some of the snacks they stole uh snacks i like how some of the tvs are just randomly on showing static in the background (laughs) this this gang must fulfill like Fulfill their snack quota by somehow selling stolen TVs, possibly. <laughs> right. They're hungry. It's like a Fast and the Furious 1 situation where they're <laughs> stealing TVs with built-in VCRs. <laughs> and then a few movies down the road, they're, what, in space or something? In right. The yeah, I don't know. Like uh, uh, paragliding with cars. I don't know. How did, how did we get here? <laughs> exactly. We were just stealing TVs. Drinking Coronas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So after the fridge, we get the quick uh, sequence with the shopping cart and the standout there is when he jumps through the shopping cart. Right. And this is, is, it's just incredible. Yeah. Shown on the, shown on the credits. Yeah. The, say, outtakes. The credits, the, yeah the outtakes. The outtakes over this movie are amazing. Yeah, they're awesome. It's definitely the first time for me seeing right, someone just like failing at stunts as a whole bunch of outtakes, which is like makes you realize how dangerous, how painful all of this is. Uh, and there's, I mean, he makes a shopping cart and everything else seems so effortless, but like the shopping cart, he kicks open the back and he jumps through it, which is amazing. Like it's over in a quarter of a second. You don't right, realize right. just the athleticism it takes to, uh, yeah, push your feet through first. Let me see. Is that what he does? No, he pushes his head. He goes head first. Head first puts his hands on the sides and like brings his feet through the rest of the shopping cart and out in front of him and leaps out. And that's on the outtakes of him 
right catching yourself halfway through yeah and you're like oh my gosh (laughs) if you're not if you're not doing this exact then right it's going to be painful and from what you said, like they have to do things over and over and over again to right. get them right. Yeah. Again, that's one of those things that like, you know, they had to try over and over again and it's a, uh, you know, it's a half second shot, but it's, he he's going to get it in there. He's going to do that crazy mm-hmm. little thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So after the shopping cart, we get the great uh, kind of bottle sequence gag on the pool table. Which is set up by the, uh, yeah, androgynous uh, thug is setting up the bottles on the pool table beforehand. Yeah, and Jackie, yeah. Jackie totally just shoves them out of the way. He's like, I think he catches on like what's going on. He's like, no, no, you're not going to set these bottles up. He even smashes like, and everything's so quick. So everything's quick. So quick. He smashes the bottle so the guy can't grab it. He throws a bottle so the guy can't grab it. And then they start playing this kind of grab game where yeah. like trying to race each other to, grab the bottle to attack the other one with it happens yeah. so fast that it's kind of hard to keep track of track, right you track but you you know that it's funny like you know that it's clever when you're seeing it but it's hard it's almost hard to to keep up with who's trying to grab what and who's blocking the other person from grabbing something and then it ends with that great gag where he's like pretends to hit him with the bottle and the guy puts his hands up and he fakes him out, and then when he pulls his hands down, he smacks him with the bottle. <laughs> and we get that great, like, goofy, like, Looney Tunes sound effect that they put in there that's like, clang. Yeah, it's like a frying pan sound. You're right. expecting it to break on the guy's head, and no, it's just right. probably more like a real bottle would react when hitting someone who just clang. It's so funny, though. It's so funny. Oh, it's so fun. I could watch this gag just over and over again. I love, I love this guy. Again, this is Aylin Sit, definitely part yep. of the Jackie Tan, Jackie Chan stunt team as they're trying to grab the bottles. Like, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. And yeah, finally they both come up with the bottle, but right. <laughs> Jackie surprised with a punch to the face and a clang to the clang to the dome with that glass. Would you say it's just bottles? Just bodies. Oh, Oh my god. <laughs> that scene at all with Jeff and John. <laughs> all right, just bottles. Just bottles. Just bodies. That was good. So we, oh. Thank you. So we get the, the bottle sequence, which is fantastic. Um, and then we move on to another sequence with the pinball machines. Um, Jackie is in between two pinball machines, and guys with baseball bats are trying to hit him, but they are exploding uh, the glass off the top of the pinball machines which looks like it's like for real exploding glass. I'm sure it's like yeah. stunt glass, but like that glass is flying everywhere. Uh, and then they have the great sequence where he's behind the pinball machine. And as the guy pushes it forward, he ducks down just as the pinball machine hits the wall and misses his head. And here's another case where we see in the outtakes of him getting his head smashed by that yes. pinball machine uh, a couple times as they're trying to get that take right, which just oh, just makes me wince every time I see it. I think the androgynous thug is a woman. And I say this because Nancy, who's kind of a female protagonist, it's hard to tell, a, a gray area character kind yeah. of in this movie. Right. But she... As is her- most of the plot, so... <laughs> right. It's a pretty great plot. Like, what's happening? Wait, they're on his team now? Yeah, uh, okay. but. but yeah, Nancy turns the thug around and just punches her right across the face. Well, that's oh, great. Right. Yeah, great punching sound effects in this. I, I, I'm glad they're not. I'm glad that we're still in the era of action movies where every punch and kick just sounds like a cannon going off. Right. Me too. Like, what happened to that? 
That's great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just listened to that again. Nancy just slugging the other, the gang members just, <laughs> Oh, so it's great. Delightful. Just delightful. All right. And that brings us around to kind of the final little sequence of this amazing fight scene, which is Jackie Chan finds some skis. Yeah. So well, it finds a sliding skis. door first. To- oh yeah. Right. Of course. Right. That's pretty good too. The quick yeah. climb up the sliding door. Uh, and then grabs the skis and gets into a, a sort of a fencing situation with a couple skis. It's just amazing. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's this integration of like using your environment plus your martial arts, um, which I, I think is just so clever. It, it kind of reminds me of like a, the modern day John Wick. Yeah, perhaps yeah, I'm trying yeah, to think yeah. of other examples of modern day. Um, but it's just not something you were seeing back then. And so it's, it's or at least in American movies, right? Hong Kong movies, they were probably rich with this. I mean, you have Jackie Chan making movie year after year with the stunt team, just perfecting their stunt work and their prop use. Well, you know, it's like once Jackie Chan made this kind of a, a theme of his fight scenes, it became a, a, a thing that you always expected from him. Then it was like every movie he had to like, kind of up the ante and try to find new objects to fight with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's always exciting to me to watch a Jackie Chan movie. I've never seen and be like, what's he going to fight with this time? Right. right. There's, a, there's a fantastic, very famous Jackie Chan fight scene in the movie project a, where he's wearing a yellow kind of jumpsuit thing. Oh, the ladder fight. And it's the ladder fight. Yep. And he fights with the ladder. And that's also one of my favorite sequences, uh, God knows how long it took him to get that one right. But um, it's just, you know, he keeps on trying to one up himself, which only creates better (laughs) and better movies for us. (laughs) Right. Audience. And so I I just so appreciate his uh, dedication to this idea of, I'm just going to find random shit to fight with in every movie that I'm in. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was watching some kind of, fight montage on YouTube. And there was one where he's like jumping through a picture frame at one point. Like, what? Oh yeah. It's, it's just amazing. That's, that's a more recent movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's the little things. Like there's another movie where he's, it's not even a fight sequence. He's uh, in an office and there's a pencil like halfway on the um, desk mm-hmm. and he flips it with his hand or his foot and it flies through the air and then he catches it with his hand. And then he takes some notes while he's talking on the phone God knows how long it took him to do that. Like, and it's just this throwaway little scene in the movie, but no, he's like, no, I'm going to get that in there. I'm going to flip this pencil into my hand. <laughs> just for him to take notes. Right. Right. That is dedication. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Love it. laughs> uh, well, thanks for going through that with me. That was fun. Yeah. One of my favorite Jackie Chan fights for sure. Do you, do you want to, Talk about how the scene wraps up, the denouement, if you will. Yeah, all right. So that that does bring the fight to a close. And uh, so then Jackie pauses. Well, he gets a couple ski slaps and ski pokes in there. Yeah. (laughs) Very end. There's like a fake out end of the fight, and then he slaps the guy around a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, I I love that detail of like, you guys stop fighting. Like, okay, whack. It's like you would do with like your own sibling. It's like this. And he totally just like, crotch head crotch head crotch head nails thug number one just repeatedly like oh that guy's that guy's not walking normal for a week but then finally tony fires his gun into the air i said that's enough again 
again. Actually, I think I think he fires twice. Yeah, does he? He fires two times. Let me see. Or maybe it's just Tony yelling at first. I think that's what it is. Tony yells at first, and like he still slaps the other guy around. Then Tony that's fires right. the gun. That's right. like okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so then they stop. Jackie drops the ski, um, and then Jackie says. I don't know what you're thinking. You can spend the rest of your life beating up people and robbing them. Why lower yourself? Don't you know you're the scum of society? I don't know what you're thinking. You can spend the rest of your life beating up people and robbing them. Why lower yourself? Don't you know you're the scum of society? (laughs) Jackie then begins to walk out. He turns to look at the gang one more time. Jackie then in Chinese says, and we get subtitles here, I hope next time when we meet, we will not be fighting each other. Instead, we will be drinking tea together. Nancy follows him as he leaves. Tony motions to Aylin Sit, his number one guy, who says... Uh, what did he say? Cut over to Nancy, who's talking to Jackie and says, oh, are, you are you all right? right? Jackie says, yeah. Nancy says, let me get your jacket for you. We cut back to Tony and the other guy. And Tony says, did he really mean that? And the guy said, yeah. Did he really mean that? Yeah. I like... All right. (laughs) I like how Jackie, by saying, I hope the next time we see each other, we're drinking tea, seems to sort of diffuse all their anger. Yes. Yes. Does he really mean that? Does he want to be our friend? (laughs) That's not how you friend me. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So... This might be a good time to talk about the the dialogue and the dubbing in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Tell me some stuff about that because, like, it's funny a lot of the time, but then when the kid's on screen, like, I don't know. It's like Jar Jar level annoying. Like, Yeah, so one of the things that makes the dubbing in this movie weird is that in the original film, Jackie, like in the Hong Kong release, Jackie is speaking Cantonese through the whole movie, of course. Of course. Uh, but many of the other actors speak their native language, including English. Mm-hmm. So most of the English actors that we see are speaking English, but they're still dubbed over. So what happened, what I can, when researching this, trying to figure this out, what I can tell is that. Um, the only way to see the original version where Jackie is actually speaking Cantonese with subtitles in English is on like a, a, a Warner Japanese DVD release that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But when the movie was released for American markets, it was completely redubbed from top to bottom. And mm-hmm. part of the reason is that New Line Cinema, who got the rights to the movie, wanted to change some of the English dialogue in order to kind of, cause they also cut out like 15 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. So they, there are certain scenes where they wanted to rewrite what the English speaking people were saying. So the only way to do that was to read, was to dub over the English speaking people <laughs> with new English lines. Good God. And so that's why you see some of these, like some of it's so comical. Like when, when Tony, the bad guy yells, stop. Right. Like it's, it's so poorly dubbed over that it's supposed to be this like serious moment and you can't help but laughing. Stop. Right. The, the kid in the wheelchair is like, comes across so annoying because of the way is he's dubbed. So yeah. So they removed like 15 minutes of footage from the film and completely redubbed the whole thing. They also rescored the whole thing from beginning to end. Huh. Um, uh, Cause they thought it would be more appealing to an American audience. So I, I wish that it, there was a, a version of this that was easily 
findable where I could see, because I would much rather see Jackie Chan speaking Cantonese just with subtitles. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I always prefer watching, if, they're, if I'm watching a foreign film, I much prefer watching them speak in their native language and then just read subtitles because it that way you don't take away from the actors. Mm-hmm. And I, this movie is very campy regardless, but I bet it would feel a little less campy if the dubbing wasn't so bad. Huh. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's, that's just a weird. Dub- yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, like the, the dubbing just, it doesn't throw me off. I think in the nineties, it would have thrown me off. I would have just been like, boy, this is hard to take this stuff seriously on the hovercraft and stuff like that. Right. Right. But now, now it's definitely part of the charm of the movie. And that's kind of it too. You're right. Like I watched this and that's part of my enjoyment is like, it adds to the campiness of the movie is the dubbing, you know? And I don't know, it's uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> and now some of the, some of the dubbing dialogue just cracks me up every time so much that it, it's part of the humor of the movie almost, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something, yeah, I was looking at this. It was something like 15 minutes of extra footage, uh, or not yeah. extra, but, uh, the Hong Kong version is 15 minutes longer. I did look through this site, movie that goes over the differences between mm. the two versions. And there is like next to nothing of significance that I would say makes sense for them cutting a lot or not makes sense. It, I don't see like the meaning of the movie or the tone of the movie really changing due to these cuts. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times it's just a little bit overly long action sequences and maybe a line or dialogue line of dialogue or two with the biggest one being, if I remember there's like, uh, is it two or four minutes? There's like, it's either two minutes or four minutes scene where Elaine is selling the store. Like, I don't think that ever comes across in the American version. Right. But in the Hong Kong versions, like she's clearly tired of the snack bunch, the the munchies, (laughs) the munch bunch, (laughs) the munch coming in, coming in literally. Yeah. Just taking the snacks. Um, I think that's before they snacks. I think that's before, I think that scene would be before they literally just (laughs) ripped the whole store down. Oh my God. That is so crazy. (laughs) Okay. But it's just nuts. I don't, no, uh, uh, that that part of the gang, like I don't know, they kind of lost the charm there. It didn't really make sense why they're all working together in the end. But I will say, at the bottom of that page for moviecensorship.com for Rumble in the Bronx, you'll find people who are saying you can download the original version here. I think or the remastered versions. Oh, there's um, some some link there. Yeah, hmm. it's like it's upscaled footage. And like like you said, I think this is a Japanese DVD. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's ways to obtain them out there, but like, I yeah, I'm not I'm not going to go that extra yard. But I know there are people out there who want to keep these things alive, which is right. You know, it's 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 good, good of them. Yeah, from what I've read too, the same thing that you said. It doesn't sound like the things that were cut were anything of great consequence. I, I guess there was a little more drama between Elaine and Jackie, like romantically. Uh, mm-hmm. when they were trying to like have a little love triangle between Jackie and Nancy and then Elaine. And that is kind of gone from the American cut, which I don't think adds or takes away much from the movie mm-hmm. either way, to be honest. Right. Um, Cause it's really all about Jackie and the stunts, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. So I, you know, and then this movie goes on and culminates with one of the great final sequences of, of an action movie. We get a, a great stunt where Jackie jumps onto a, a hovercraft <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. where he actually breaks his ankle or sprains yes. his ankle or something in the process. He he famously finishes out this movie wearing a cast 
on one of his feet. And we get all those great action sequences of him being towed by the hovercraft in the water. And then they take the hovercraft up onto land and um, go if you, if you've never seen this movie, go watch it. You know, it's, it's so much fun and ridiculous and unbelievable and silly, but it's, it's also fantastic. It's, it's a great way to finish out the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great trip back to the nineties too, with the clothing um, I don't know, like the variety of snacks I have to say too. Like, oh, like, kind of makes me hungry for a candy bar, some, some cheese balls, and a backwards turquoise hat, and a number ninety-two jersey. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. <laughs> some obscure team or just obscure color. <laughs> so, uh, nineteen ninety-six, this movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a success, but uh, was not one of the top 10 grossing films of the year. I have it as 21, and I had to do some weird math there because when I go to Box Office Mojo, it tells me $32 million. But at a certain point in Box Office Mojo's uh, whatever evolution, they were at first not looking at like international worldwide per right. se. Like it right. would just say U.S. totals. So I'm taking this to mean 32 million in the U.S. and then 44 million elsewhere in the world, uh, which makes sense. I mean, you have- so that seems right because I in in doing my research, I read that the international gross was somewhere in the 70s million dollars. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that would put it. Yeah. Like I said, 21st highest grossing movie, quite high for what it is, uh, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely notable. Was 7 million. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. So in 1996, we get um, Independence Day as our top grossing film, mm-hmm. followed by Twister, Mission Impossible, The Rock, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Disney movie, 101 Dalmatians, Disney movie, Ransom. <laughs> Disney movie. <laughs> Probably touchstone pictures, I have to imagine. Probably. probably. <laughs> and we follow it up with The Nutty Professor, Jerry Maguire, and Eraser. Mm-hmm. Arnold. Yeah. Your uh, luggage. Your luggage. <laughs> I didn't know Eraser was such a, a, a hit. Man. Yeah, that's that Arnold star power for sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of action movies in the top 10, though. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is another year. We talked about this last episode with big trouble in little China. Um, yeah, I could see some kids fair here, but a lot of is like, you know, maybe the more adult oriented action stylings like the rock and yeah. definitely ransom. Oh my gosh. Like ransom, like that movie coming out today is going to be, you know, 50th place. Yeah. Was that that Mel Gibson movie? Yes. Give me back my son. 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 Yeah, why is that number seven? What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> Who's ever gone back and watched Ransom? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, I, I could, but the first Mission Impossible starting a huge franchise there. Yeah, uh, number three there. Um, not Mission Impossible three, but the first one, uh, Independence Day, which did not start a huge franchise. It had mm. <laughs> terrible sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nutty Professor, I think, started like a mini franchise, right? Was it wasn't there like the clumps was yeah the second right. one or the third one i don't yeah remember. there were two or three of those uh each with diminishing returns if i recall <laughs> definitely uh, yeah um yeah jerry Maguire. we get a little kind of rom-com in there that's good yeah yeah uh other notables from 96 96 that pop out to me one of my favorite uh horror movies uh, from dust till dawn mm-hmm. uh fargo uh primal fear mahal falls 
Um, these are just ones that pop out to me as being some movies that I like. Uh, Escape from LA. Get that in there. Yeah, yeah. Eric Deutsch. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Set us up. You set us up. It's all bullshit. Uh, one of my favorite comedies, Swingers, came out in 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Space Jam in there for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scream. Can't forget Scream, the mm-hmm, original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, are there others there from that uh, notable list that jump out to you? Yeah, I'll say Star Trek First Contact, mm-hmm. uh, which I would have to say is one of my favorite Star Trek productions. Uh, Mars Attacks, I remember seeing that in theater and just like being shocked the whole movie. Like, oh my God, <laughs> like what a crazy movie. Let's see. Yeah, from Dust Till Dawn, I'll have to agree with you there. Like, we watched that together. Not that long ago, that was fun. Uh, Twelve Monkeys, I remember seeing that in theaters with my mom, and like that was another one where you're like, "Oh my gosh, worldwide plague just being spread around the world, and can't see it." And like, how did it start? And all these people die, and like, that's crazy. Like that's sci-fi, right? That that thing can never happen. (laughs) Can never happen. God no. (laughs) Oh no, it's Twelve Monkeys. Oh, uh, Broken Arrow. I remember seeing that. I saw a lot of these movies in theaters somehow. Like Fun fact, are, I yeah. owned Broken Arrow on VHS in the 90s. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So before we went all DVD. Oh, yeah. No, it was when I was living with my parents. My parents yeah. bought me that movie because I really liked it, I guess. <laughs> that Christian Slater, Howie Long vehicle. Oh, oh yeah. was, I, I really enjoyed that when I came out. I remember just really it's John Woo. Happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, John Woo. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you mentioned that. Uh, no. Birdcage, another one I saw in theaters. I like the Birdcage a lot. That's a good yeah. One. Executive decision. We've talked about in the in the Predator minute with uh, yeah Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal's early exit. Right, right. What was that? that what was that TV trope called when the guy dies early? Uh, um, it was called Sacrificial Lion. Nice. Well done. Yeah. That's versus cool. Sacrificial Lamb when. Predator had both of those. Uh, who else do we have? I'm just trying to go through. I think I just copied and pasted this for minute 96. 96. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I think that's kind of it for. Yeah. 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 The movies of, of 96, but yeah, a lot of good theater fare, I would say. Nice. Oh, Romeo. No, Romeo plus Juliet. Never mind. I was thinking Romeo. Must die. Never mind. That's no different movie. The Jet Li vehicle. <laughs> anyway, I was I was uh, wondering because I don't know. I had a hard time thinking of this. Where I don't know why I had such a hard time thinking of this because it's such a, a trope to have like one person taking on a group of baddies. Oh, but the yeah. one that just popped in my head and wouldn't leave was the hallway hammer scene from Old Boy. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's just a good one. I haven't watched brutality. Old Boy in a long time. I should revisit that one because I. I really liked, I remember really liking it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then V for Vendetta, of course, there's uh, V taking on the bad guys in the sewers. Sure. He's taking all the bullets and then he's throwing all the knives. That's a fun, entertaining, uh, yeah, little brawl. What, yeah. what about you? Could Did you think of it? Could you, I don't know, recall any good 1v a lot brawls? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, you've got um, Neo versus all the zillion uh, Agent Smiths. <laughs> In, sure. Uh, in uh, what is that? What's the second one called? Reloaded. 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 Uh, pretty much any other Jackie Chan movie from the eighties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hong Kong Jackie Chan movie from the eighties. Uh, those those are the ones I think of right now off the top of my head. I didn't plan ahead though, so. 
Sure. Uh, sorry, I don't have more on the docket. Yeah. Oh, no problem. I'm sure there's some Van Dams that aren't coming to mind. Yet. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to our recurring segment on this show. <laughs> Is it better than Predator? Now, do I have to, do I ask you first or do I have to go first since this was my pick? What, how do we do this? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I don't know either. <laughs> don't remember what we said last time or even on the Terminator one. I listened to that episode. Hmm. Gosh. Uh, All right, I'm, I'm going to ask you first. Thanks. Yeah, is why this I go better? First? I think I know what the answer is, but is this better <laughs> than Predator? Yeah, I'll, I'll spoil it right now. Uh, Predator is better than Rumble in the Bronx. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, but Rumble, the Bronx, yeah, Rumble in the Bronx, I feel like, does so much right in introducing, uh, I would say, well, to be selfish and like American centric, to introduce Americans uh, to Jackie Chan and his fighting style, his choreography, uh, even the filming. And I would say the wackiness of the plot um, is, is probably a lot of new things for American viewers. So for what it did for cinema, I think was really important. Um, when I watch it, though, I don't think to myself, like, I'm really on the edge of my seat um, in terms of, like, the plot. I'm more in the, on the edge of my seat in terms of, like, what are they going to pull off next? And, right. Right. How entertaining are they going to make this? And I'll say, like, watching it the first time, I'm not really thinking, okay, I'll, it, I'll be right back to watch this. I'm more likely to go see other Jackie Chan movies now. Yeah. Which yeah. which is uh, definitely uh, a feather in its cap, right? Is, is sure. introducing you to Jackie Chan, making you, making you want to watch more Jackie Chan flicks, more YouTube videos of compilations of Jackie Chan stunts and fights. Um, but for me, Predator still uh, is holding that torch strong through three episodes of just presenting just a, a, in its own way, a nonstop kind of film, uh, but more survival based. And for whatever reason, that just does it for me a little bit better than this film. What about you? Is this better than Predator? Oh boy. This is, um, that's a hard question for me here because right. Pre- Predator is a better movie, right? It, it's, it's, it's in terms of filmmaking, acting <laughs> story <laughs> cohesion dialogue like predator even is, dialogue <laughs> even dialogue when there's barely any of it. Uh-huh. it it is a a better movie in terms of like the movies where that where these movies sit in my heart uh i i think rumble in the bronx has a bigger spot just because of how much it opened my eyes to this type of film and how much it opened me up to watching other Jackie Chan films and other martial arts films and made me really rethink what I thought an action movie could be for my own personal history with movie watching. I'm going to give it to rumble in the Bronx here today. Sure. Just for me personally, like I said, objectively, Filmmaking wise, Predator is a better movie, but but for me, in terms of like what it means to me, uh, this movie means a lot to me. So I, I have to give the nod here to Rumble in the Bronx for me. It's a tie, which awesome. is one of the reasons why I chose the movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it just comes down to that table test. If I'm seeing the VHS copies of Predator and Rumble in the Bronx next to each other, I'm going to pick predator it's yeah sure yeah no brainer that that is okay like with the caveat that like if i'm just like i need something super light 
to something super quick. And this yeah. is a quick 90 minutes uh, that's with credits. And actually this is one of the few films out there that's worth watching the credits in Absolutely. because of all the, because of all the stunt outtakes. Right. Uh, but it still breezes by. It's funny at a lot of parts. <laughs> the, the, the fighting is just so entertaining and the chases are entertaining as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think you could go wrong in picking rumble in the Bronx. Not at all. All right. I feel better now. Okay. <laughs> that rumble in the Bronx off my chest. All right. <clears throat> okay. Well, that brings us to uh, recommends for the week. Uh, John, do you want to go first on recommends? What do you have for us today? Gosh, what was I going to, uh, I think I'll go to the back to the um, HBO max. Well, because I kind of side recommended max. Yeah. I side recommended a Cinemax production called warrior, which shows up on HBO max. 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 <laughs> Uh, but I also found the Watchmen series on HBO Max really, really entertaining. I was not a fan of what I, what few scenes I saw of the movie Watchmen by Zack Snyder, but the show is nothing like the movie. The show surpasses it in every way. It is, in fact, meant to be building on the original comic story uh, mm-hmm. in a legacy sort of way, as in those events from the comics happened 30 years ago kind of like the movie, Mm. but not acknowledging the things from the movie. Uh, But here's where we are now with like the quote unquote superhero situation. Um, Like we learned that early on that, okay, police, uh, police officers are allowed to wear masks to protect their identities. But you also have this terrible, terrible uh, racist cult, the seventh cavalry starting to emerge. uh, Mm. And the big clash is this police force versus um, the seventh cavalry. Uh, I don't want to say more than that other than like, it's just like, it's really speaking to today's times when you are watching, not just the first episode with the flashbacks to this um, real event uh, where uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma was like firebombed by white people to, Right. Up black businesses. It was it was it was in part a history lesson that first episode, and the whole show basically builds off that, putting things in the modern age, but um, basically with the events of Watchmen, the comic book, uh, to having taken place back in the eighties, and what ramifications does that have on today's world? And you see some uh, callbacks and some visits from like the main characters of that Watchmen comic book but they really do a great job of creating these new characters who seemingly fit really well into the Watchmen universe which I really don't know anything about um, but it was very much I don't know just just a gripping series uh, Just I think it's only 8 parts I don't think there's meant to be a season 2 I think it's just meant to be a one and done um, kind of like the comic book itself back in the 80s was meant to be just like a single big volume you'd read and that was the whole story of Watchmen and this is doing the same thing carrying on that legacy and telling the story of the modern day kind of what you call Watchmen but not really uh, hmm. yeah but check it out that's Watchmen the series on HBO Max Mac. you Max. Mac. you are not Max. the first person to recommend this show to me and uh, mm-hmm. I've heard it's very good so and I haven't watched it yet so and I also don't know anything about Watchmen. I don't think I've I've ever seen the movie actually, mm. um, and I don't. I've never read the comics, so I I know nothing. Would I, I still enjoy it if I don't know any of that backstory? Sounds like you did. Oh, absolutely, that. absolutely. Yeah. I don't know anything about that either. Um, I would say the big show stealer is Regina King. Um, 
playing she's was awesome. a, a Sister Knight, I think is her name in the show. Um, but yeah, she is amazing in the show. That's all I know her from, but I know she's been doing a whole lot of other things, a whole lot of other things, including uh, the big movie she directed. What is it? One Night in Miami? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me let me just check. I think that's her, right? I, I yeah, believe her so. Direct, yeah. yeah. Last year's One Night in Miami. She directed that. Nice. All right. I'm going to go uh, surprise, surprise to a horror movie that I watched what? recently. I know. It's so weird. That I, it's weird. <laughs> is it on your Plex right now? Um, it is. Yep. Oh, sweet. Uh, it is called Saint Maud. Hmm. It came out, I think, last year. Um, it is one of the more intense, uh, creepy horror movies I've seen in a long time. I don't know if you would like it. <laughs> no. Um, the basic premise is um, about a, a woman who is caretaking a, a, a woman, another woman who's um, chronically sick, um, but is also like a famous actress who is now like uh, kind of in the, the tail end of her career. Um, and the woman that's taking care of her is very religious. Um, and weird stuff starts to happen Um, we learn that the caretaker is not uh, mentally all the way there and uh, I'm not going to say anymore because one of the best parts of this movie is seeing where this storyline this crazy storyline goes um, as it as it goes along and it's one of the most atmospheric uh, movies horror movies I've ever seen and uh is kind of a slow burn that that builds up to uh, a pretty crazy uh, payoff in at the end. And uh, I was really I didn't know what to expect watching it. I had heard it was good, but I was kind of blown away by it. I thought it was really a fantastic movie. So if you like horror movies, scary movies, check out Saint Maud. Wow. Okay. Saint Maud. I don't like horror movies, so we'll check it out. But (laughs) I'll probably do the thing where I read a Wikipedia article. Sure. I don't. uh, It's. uh, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. You can rent it though um, on just any any digital platform. Okay. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder wonder if Ruin will do a podcast on it. Oh, they should. That would be a good one for them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good recommends. Good recommends. Yeah, good recommends. Um, we're wrapping things up here, and you know what this means? I chose this fight scene from Rumble in the Bronx, aka Red Fan District. I don't know if you knew that was the oh, Chinese title. I did not know that was the Chinese <laughs> title. I don't know why that's the Chinese title. Sorry, yeah. that's all I had to say. <laughs> Rumble in Vancouver. Um, <laughs> Rumble in Southwest British Columbia. <laughs> Doesn't have the same flair. But now we get to the most anticipated part of our show, which is the uh, revealing of our next scene from our next movie. And now, John, it is your turn. What are we going to watch next? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited Hmm. to share this. Uh, I'm I'm sure it's like when it's your choice and you know exactly what you want. You start zeroing in (laughs) with like what you're watching, what you're researching, what you're reading about. But as two dudes, you and I, over the course of, what, 104 plus one plus these three, we haven't talked a lot about the women. We have not talked about females very much, have we? I guess we have not. What a bunch of male chauvinists we are. Yeah, a bunch of male chauvinists. We need to respect the 
maybe you respect the other side, yeah. you know, now and now and then. And um, I, I'm doing this as also a way to tie into Star Wars, of course, mm. can't help it. But um, I thought a really solid scene starring uh, an up and coming actress, at least at the time, um, is, gosh, this is a weird way to say that. Sorry. Um, I'll go back to the part where we're saying we're male chauvinists. And, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just to cut to the chase, um, watching this movie, I, I decided, okay, from Force Awakens, the scene I would want to be talking about is Ray's introduction scene, where you uh, start off seeing her scavenging for scrap in this fallen Star Destroyer and ending with her befriending, ending with her befriending uh, the ball droid BB-8. So not only are we not really going to be talking a lot of action, but we're really going to be focusing on our first real female character of our podcasting careers. (laughs) There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? I love this. I love this. Uh, it's going to give me a chance to revisit a Force Awakens, which I really like. And mm-hmm. uh, this will be fun to break down a scene that's a little bit different. And uh, I think that's why we decided to do this format. So I'm yeah. excited to see other ways that we spin off and do different types of movies and scenes. And uh, it only took us till episode four <laughs> before John chose a Star Wars movie. So. Our, yeah. <laughs> I'm yep. actually surprised it took this long. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I'm kind of surprised I didn't end up with you know uh, uh, something older like you know episode four, A New Hope. I, yeah, this will yeah. be our most recent of the four movies. This is 2015, okay, right? The the reentry of Star Wars into the theaters, into really the mainstream after Disney bought Lucasfilm from George Lucas back yeah. in 2012, I believe. I'll I'll have all the research lined up. Don't you worry. I I am not worried. <laughs> Not worried. Yeah, you can just kind of go along the ride uh, with me. But um, yeah, when I think about stakes, I don't just think about the stakes of the movie, but I definitely think of, like I mentioned this episode, the meta stakes. Like what else is at stake mm. with introducing a female character who's strong in the force? Uh, what's at stake for Disney? What's at stake for uh, Star Wars fandom as a whole? Mm. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that to a degree. I'm really going to skirt around most of the fandom because it's just it could be its own show about that. And I don't want to make it about that. I want to make it more about like you and I talk about like the scene, what's going on in it and the characterization. Oh, I'm excited. Great choice. Great scene. 
It's going to be a great episode. I can't wait. Thanks. So that's that's Ray's introduction and Force Awakens. And by my count, I have it written on my text to myself from a few days ago. That uh, comes from, I think I watched this on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. The time codes for that were 1044 to 1644, if anybody wants to preview okay. that scene. Okay. I yeah. like it. And maybe, maybe that's something that we can do when we talk about the scenes too, is just kind of like preview for listeners to say, if you know, you want to watch this scene, here's where it starts. Here's the timestamps. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we did that for last episode for this episode. I'm not really sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out, <laughs> but no, I'm super excited. Yeah. Dip into star Wars. I, yeah, I took four episodes and my <laughs> second turn, not even my first turn. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed that in the restraint. what restraint two episodes (laughs) Uh, all right well are we wrapping things up here we're wrapping things up so thanks for your awesome choice this was so entertaining to watch the movie good and it's always always entertaining to watch a movie with the thought i'm going to talk about this uh in great detail and yeah i just really enjoy yeah the movie discussion with you so good choice and I look forward to our next discussion. Yeah, for sure. So uh, social media wise, you can find me. I'm Jeff Glover. I'm on the Twitter at Carl underscore Hungus314. Come follow me there. My name is Carl been expert. And John, uh, we have some uh, social media representation for Seen It All, don't we? We do. So you can find us on Twitter, Seen It All underscore. Because <laughs> the first <laughs> Seen It All was taken. I love that. Uh, yeah. You can also email the show, seen it all podcast at gmail.com. Keep in mind when I say seen, I'm saying S C E N E it all, of course, because we're talking about movie scenes. Uh, and our public Facebook group, seen it all with Jeff and John, already has two new members. Uh, please <laughs> welcome Brian O'Dell and Brian Campus, the Brians. We call oh, them the nice. Fighting Brians. Brian Odell, good friend of mine, just got married. Congratulations, buddy. Congrats, Brian. And uh, Brian Campus, uh, we've known from the Predator Minute podcast discussions on the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. Yeah, come come, uh, join the group and post your thoughts, your musings, your uh, ideas for other episodes. We want to hear it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do. Uh, Yeah, just share some scenes, share some your own interpretations of the scenes we're breaking down or just talk about whatever. Uh, but yeah, thanks Jeff. If you want to close things out, uh, go ahead and hit us with the outro. I think that's, that's your line. Oh, sure. Uh, for all things seen at all, I've been John Zabriskie and I'm Jeff Glover. And until next time, <laughs> stick around, stick around, stick around, stick around. <laughs> It'll never die. It'll never die. You're all garbage. You are all garbage. <laughs> you're all garbage. You are all garbage. Don't you know you're the scum of society? Don't you know you're the scum of society? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should be friends. Yeah. yeah. Let's have some tea together. You want to see, yeah, you want to see, like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You want to see, yeah, you want to see, like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. You can go to the diner for a meal with Meg. You can yell at your class, stab yourself in the leg. You can upgrade your boat for when sharks attack. And you can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back. You want to see, yeah, you want to see, like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You want to scene yeah you want to see like when bobby d says you're talking to me 
Jeff and John talk scenes and quotes. Jeff improvises while John takes notes. From Mozambique to Montreal, you can join in the chat on Scene It All. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when the Xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see, like when Bobby D says, you're talking to me. Seen it all with Jeff and John.